see it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Monday. How are you, my friend? Man, another great week. Uh, so, yeah, I'm doing good. Well, this is going to be an unusual week. Let me, let me just say a couple words about this week on the World Transform, because it's, uh, it's a very special week for us. We've got a, a new fast-forward show coming out this week with Peter Evans from Solix talking to us about their data platform. So that's going to be fun. And that's going to come sometime in the middle of the week. We're not sure exactly when, but Wednesday is a great target date for it. So we'll, we'll say that that's probably going to be our Wednesday show. And assuming that's the case, we're doing a show uh, today on Monday, and then we'll do another regular show on Friday. So it's a Remember that, uh, that, that week we did the sandwich shows, right? Everything was a sandwich, right? <laughs> that's right. We're making another Solic sandwich, sandwich this week. This week so it's a solid sandwich, exactly right, yeah. A fast-forward right. sandwich with a couple of world transforms on, on either side. And then, to top it off, we got kind of an unusual show today because we were discussing this before we started talking officially here on the show. And... Basically, we have two kinds of shows we do when you come right down to it. Three kinds of shows. We do interviews. We do thematic shows where we talk about a bunch of stories that all relate to a theme. And then we do grab bag shows where we're just not able to think up a theme that ties the show, those topics together, but we want to talk about them. So today's show, you and I were discussing, which is it really? Is there really a theme here? <laughs> sometimes the theme emerges, and so we challenge our audience sometimes. Find the theme, guys. It's there. We promise. So. Right. And, and this, time, this time, it's a little bit different because the theme is kind of external to the topics because I came up with, I had this wacky thought. And I'll just, let me just tell you the wacky thought I had after we do the first story. Okay? So we'll do the first story, and then I'm going to tell you the wacky thought, and then we'll do the rest of the stories. And we'll see, we'll see what it all means. I don't know. I think it's all going to add up to something quite wonderful. But here's our first story. This is Glenn Reynolds. We've just entered into a golden age of space exploration. Why all the pessimism? And, of course, that, that second question, the question Glenn asks there is one we ask all the time. Why don't people recognize we're living in a golden age? And thematically, we want to come back to that. But let's just talk about space here for a minute. This is really awesome. All the stuff that Glenn points out, uh, talking about how Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are creating a whole new industry that is thriving and they're pushing us in incredible new directions where, where space is concerned. And it's all happening right now. It's a, it's a very exciting time, isn't it? Yeah. Well, when we say right now, we mean right now, like tomorrow, Tuesday, they're going to launch, uh, for the first time, the, uh, the Falcon Heavy. And they're, exactly. they're, sending, <laughs> they're sending Elon Musk's car into the Martian orbital. I mean, it's going to be the same distance from the sun as, as Mars is where it ultimately is going. And that's pretty cool. You know, that's, so when we say we're in the middle of it, we are right in the middle of it. That's big. We talked about this the other day. Yeah. This is big stuff. He is sending a Tesla into space, not to Mars, 
and not in orbit around Mars, but in orbit around the sun, but in Mars's orbit, basically, right? It's just yeah. in a place in the orbit where Mars isn't. Yeah, if you're going to launch something to Mars in 2018, uh, you want to wait about three or four months. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's not the time to do it, but he, that, he's not trying to get it to Mars. He's trying to put it at the same distance as Mars, just to kind of right. as a proof of concept to show that he can. And not just the same distance, same orbit. So, so in other words, yeah, this car and Mars are like two spokes, right? The line from them to the sun would be two spokes on the same wheel, right? If you picture the Correct. orbit of Mars as a wheel going around the sun. So that is just awesome. I, it's just, I guess it's appropriate that this car is red. Oh, there you go. Some parts of it would work since it's electric, right? You don't need that internal combustion engine. So <laughs> going to be, be playing to uh, Space Oddity, apparently. Uh, uh, as, you know, it's going to be playing Space Oddity on the, on the uh, stereo. As the David Bowie so. song, Space Oddity. That yeah. is so awesome. That's right. Major Tom. Well, I hope the, mi- the car doesn't get a mind of its own and just go off in its own direction the way Major Tom does in the song. But <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> or maybe that would be pretty cool, you know? I mean, I, I, it makes me wonder if the auto drive is turned on, right? So, I mean, it could... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better keep that module off. Think, fun, fun, yeah, perhaps so. Space. Especially you're asking for it when you turn that song on. But, that, but that's yeah. really cool. That's, that is amazing that these things are happening. It's amazing to me, equally amazing, that it doesn't get the attention that I feel that it should. I was right. watching Apollo 13 over the weekend. History Channel was doing a whole bunch of retrospective stuff because the Challenger and Columbia anniversaries were both last week. and So they had a number of programs related to that. And one of the interesting things about Apollo 13 that occurred to me was here was this big thing going on in space, and it was all the news. Everyone was thinking about it. You know, there's one point where Walter Cronkite says people gathered in St. Peter's Square, and the Pope was praying for the astronauts. And obviously, it was the missions to the moon were just big news stories. But here, here you've got a huge breakthrough, a huge thing happening in space, and there's nothing like that kind of attention being paid to it, right? It's just Well, you will, you will recall, Phil, that when Apollo 13 first launched, they they did a live from space uh, broadcast back to Earth that nobody nobody watched right right at least well they, not, they decided uh, not to show actually yeah yeah really. because I mean the pe- people were were bored of it already and that was only the third trip to the moon right right so right. yeah it's 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 amazing how how people how fast people get inured to this stuff but it hey nevertheless it's uh I mean it's pushing the frontier and it's exciting regardless of how how many of our fellow humans are, are tuning in. It's still awesome. Well, but we got to talk so. about our fellow humans because that's the point of the why all the pessimism question. And, okay. And, and so, you know, we're not letting them off easy this time, Stephen. We can't. Okay. We've got <laughs> we, to we've stick with them on this. And Glenn, in the story, oh, you know, before we go there, another one that's getting very little attention and that I know you had wanted to bring up was Rocket Lab. So talk about what's going yeah, on yeah. With, with Rocket Lab. Well, Rocket Lab, it's interesting. They've got a totally different business model from Jeff Bezos and also, of course, SpaceX and all them. They, they, uh, they have found a different space niche, which I found very interesting. That what, they've got one rocket, one rocket only, and it, it's a little bit smaller than the Falcon 9, which is the smallest of the SpaceX rockets, okay? And so what they can do with this small rocket is they can put small satellites in low-Earth orbit. They can do it cheaply because it's just, well, it's a, it's a very small rocket. doesn't cost a lot to, to launch. And one of the selling points is that you don't have to wait. If you've got your little satellite, often what you've done in the past is you wait and go up with a larger rocket launch, and you don't get the exact orbit you want, but you, you make do, Right. 
Well, with right. this, uh, you know, since we're just launching your little satellite, it's uh, we're, we can put it exactly in the orbit you want, and it can be launched right away. Right. That's and that's the selling point of this company. They're operating out of New Zealand. It's sort of a joint effort between New Zealand and uh, and U.S. It's a U.S. company, I believe, that's involved here. But uh, Rocket Lab. It's that, I find that interesting. They are not trying to go head toe to toe with SpaceX or anybody else. They're, they're they found a different niche, and I and I, I applaud them. Well, and that's the indication of a healthy, growing new market. Right. That there are these niches that you can that you can get into that it's not everybody just competing for the big bottom line, the big margin business, that there's whole other lines of business that you can go into. I mean, that just that's, that speaks to a very healthy, growing business opportunity, I would say. And it just goes to show well, you. I mean, if, if you were Boeing back in the 60s and Apollo chose not to accept your bid on the, the lunar lander, then it wasn't like you were going to build the lunar lander for anybody else, right? I mean, it was just, you know, you just weren't going to build it. But nowadays, there's so so many things going on that, you know, if you're an aerospace company, you know, if you, if you can't contribute to this project, there's another project that you can contribute to. There's, it's, it's a growing and vibrant uh, uh, business now. That's cool. That's very cool. Absolutely. All right. So here's what Glenn says. I'm going to read a little section of what Glenn says about what's, what's going on in the world. Because he takes the what's happening in space and people seem to be not thrilled with that. And he expands on it just a little bit to some of the stuff we talk about. He says, in 1980, more than half the world lived in extreme poverty. Now, thanks to the spread of free markets, that number has been slashed to less than a quarter. And if current trends continue, it will be down 5% by 2030, only a little over a decade from now. What Nobel laureate Robert Fogel calls the escape from hunger and premature death has come a long way. Diseases are being cured. People with handicaps are getting prosthetic limbs and even prosthetic eyes and ears. People in third world countries have smartphones now that connect them to the world where a couple of decades ago they might have had to walk miles to make a telephone call. So, exactly. I yeah. couldn't agree more. And so here's the wager, or here's the, here's the challenge. Stephen, I'm just going to put this one to you because you're the reasonable man in a reasonable man scenario. Is it, is it sexist to say okay. that? What do we say these days? The reasonable person. Okay. All right, so we're going we're gonna to use the reasonable person standard, and I'm going to put a question to you. And let's say all things were somehow equal. So in either scenario, it's not a question of you wouldn't be with your family or you'd be leaving important people in your life behind, okay? But here's your choice. How, how old are you now? What's your current age? I'm 48. 48 years old. Okay, so you're 48. You can continue to be 48 in the year 2018, or we will send you back to the year 1918, and you can be 28 years old. Which would you do? Man, if I, I would give up a decade to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, the two decades, right? Uh, oh, you're saying even if you were uh, 58, you'd be Yeah, even, even if, if the choice was, you know, would you give up a decade to stay here or be sent back into the past and be younger, I'd, I'd still stay in this time. Right? Absolutely. Right. I agree. I think it's the time to be, and also, I would feel, frankly, and, and I was thinking about phrasing this maybe, let's say, instead of uh, 1918, 1818, right? And you can go back and you'd be 15 years old or something like that, but it's like, that even sounds worse. It's like, man, I wouldn't want to be a 15-year-old in 1818. Forget it. You know, I, 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 uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stay here. Thank you very much. But the point is, I feel like I have as much life to look forward to, potentially, 
at age 55 in 2018 as I would at age 28 or even age 20 in 1918. That's, that's my thinking. I, I, I would rather be here. I would rather be here in this time, yeah, because of all the good stuff, for sure. And also just because I think, reasonably speaking, I've got a better shot at living longer now here at this age than I would back then right. at that age. And, and what we're going to do for the rest of this show, and we'll have some more examples of this on our Friday show as well, is talk about, I'm going to back up that kind of crazy case of working. I should have known that you and I would be on the same side of this thing, right? So there's no debate. Yeah. Let me prove why, why we're right, and then I'm going to add a wrinkle after this story, okay? Cancer okay. vaccine eliminates tumors in mice. Check it out. Cancer vaccine eliminates tumors in mice. This should have been the story of the week, right? This should have been the screaming headlines of the week. I'm sorry. I know there was a big State of the Union address, and I know there was a big memo released on Friday and all that kind of stuff. But we're talking about a vaccine that kills cancer tumors. Well, it doesn't just kill the tumor. You inject this stuff into a tumor, and it not only kills the tumor, but it will kill cancer that's remote from the tumor anywhere in the body. Right. That's amazing. I think about that. So and we don't know the long-term prospects for these mice, excuse me, that they were doing these experiments on, but it looks to me like their prospects for remission are good, right? Their, their prospects for not having a recurrence of the cancer are pretty awesome considering that this is already in all the rest of the cancer in their body just by putting it into one tumor. Yeah, injecting minute amounts of two immune-stimulating uh, agents directly into the solid tumors in mice can eliminate all tra traces of cancer in the animals. Okay, we talk about the weekly cure for cancer, but even in the face of weekly cures for cancer, this is a big one. I mean, we had a weekly yeah. cure for cancer last week, and it was pretty exciting. But if these T-cells work anything like in humans the way they do in mice, this could be it. You know, I I've talked about how in the future the worst-case scenario is that dealing with cancer would be like dealing, dealing with diabetes is today. Well, this is better than that, right? I mean, this is, right. this, is, this is an improvement over that kind of scenario. So this is exactly the kind of treatment for cancer we've been talking about. And now I'm going to say, add a wrinkle, right? What if you could go back and live in 1918 and be 25 years old rather than my age, 55, here in this decade, and, oh, by the way, in this decade, you've just got a cancer diagnosis. They haven't said what kind. We'll just say you've got cancer. You don't know what it is yet, right? Now, which one are you going to take, right? You can go back and live in 1918 without the cancer, right, at age 25, or are you going to stay here at age 55 and you've got cancer? And I'm telling you right now, Stephen, that for me, I don't know what your answer to this one is, but for me, it's a coin toss, okay? It's an absolute yeah. coin toss because I'm to the stage now where I'm saying even with cancer, I think I'm better off here than I would be there, 30 years older <laughs> than I would be back <laughs> at that yeah, time. Yeah. I would take it to this level. I'd say, would I go back 10 years and be 20 years younger versus staying at this? Uh, you know, so all, all, all we're talking about is going back to 2008 and be, right. be 20 years younger versus staying here in 2018 and at my current age. I'm, I'd stay here if given that option. I'm not going anywhere. This is, this is far too interesting, far too exciting what's, what's happening now in the world. So, Very good. Okay. And just to, just to back up what we're saying here in terms of the 
just from the longevity perspective, from the survivability perspective of the argument, great story here. Anti-aging pioneer Aubrey de Grey, people in middle age now have a fair chance. Yeah. Uh, this is something that we've been talking about, but uh, he says here, I think we've got a 50-50 chance of getting to the tipping point in mice within five years from now. I'd say that if this pans out, we just hit a major tipping point with mice on cancer in this past week. If you understand the idea of a tipping point, that's where everything after that is different from everything before. Everything changes from, from then on. And what, what Aubrey's talking about in this instance is a treatment for aging in mice that kind of resets everything and everything is different after that. He thinks that we've got a chance of getting to that tipping point within five years. I'd say that's, that, that sounds right in line, right? I mean, that sounds right in line actually with the kinds of yeah. stuff that we've been talking about. And it seems right in line with the kind of stuff he's been saying all along anyway. 10 to 15 years if we get unlucky. So we're close on this stuff. And maybe it will, be, it will in the end prove much harder than any of the very promising things we're hearing about right now. He puts about a 10% chance on, on, on the worst scenario where it takes 100 years to solve these things. Turn the whole thing around, yeah. Stephen, and say, oh, okay, how about this one? You could stay here in 2018 and we'll set you back to age, say, 35, right? Or you can go ahead to 2118, but you'll be 80 years old, right? <laughs> Which would you take? <laughs> At that point, it's almost a sure thing that you're going to hit the actuarial escape velocity. Escape right? velocity. I, I, actuarial escape velocity is what he's called it. Yeah, you're, you're going to hit the point where you can probably just push on. Anyway, here's another story backing up what Aubrey is saying. Could a protein called clotho block dementia and aging? Just, just to kind of show how multidimensional this all is, right? This is a great one. Genetically increasing clotho helps boost cognitive function in mice models of Alzheimer's disease, researchers report. We found that those mice that had been treat, treated within four hours had better brain function. So here's a protein that we've not heard of before that they run a test on mice with Alzheimer's and blammo, right? Suddenly they're, they're backing out of dementia. So all I'm saying here is that this is just one of many potential examples of something that could be a breakthrough. Here it is. It's a test in mice, right? It's exactly what Aubrey's talking about. It's a major breakthrough where you talk about reversing Alzheimer's, eliminating Alzheimer's, reversing aging in the brain, and... We never heard of this. I never heard of cloth, though. I didn't know any such research was going on. How much of this kind of stuff do you think is going on right now, Stephen, that we're hearing nothing about well, until some little blip shows up, right? Well, you know, Google is working uh, behind the scenes, and we, we know very little about what they're doing, right? Exactly. You know, so some little company you may, not, you may have heard of, they've got lots of resources. If the problem is solvable, you would think that uh, perhaps they, they could uh, contribute to the solution, right? And I don't think we've mentioned, at least not in this show, Liz Parrish and the work that her company's doing. And, and, uh, and she's actually made herself a, uh, a guinea pig uh, with, with her company's solution. So like you say, lots of people are trying different things to solve this aging problem. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting when you think about it because we talk about Liz Parrish and then we don't hear anything about her for a while. We talk about Calico when Google acquires them, and then we don't hear about anything for a while. And then, like, I, I think it was a week ago, we had this announcement that they had some really interesting findings around the naked mole rat. 
And you say, well, that's because they had interesting findings there. What else they got going on there? You know, surely naked mole rat research isn't the only thing they're doing. Suddenly this one pops up. I think what's really interesting about this is we look at this and have been talking about this for years, and we're still continuously surprised by new stories, new news, new organizations we haven't heard of, new research going on that we've never heard of, and significant results being achieved by these folks, right? So something, right. Some, something big is likely to break, says Aubrey, and I would say just the fact that there is so much of this going on and that we keep hearing increasingly encouraging results from stuff that we weren't even expecting backs him up. I think it backs him up completely. And I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty psyched about this blocking dimension. Well, it's a, bit, a little bit like our space launch excitement, right? I mean, it's not just that we've got one company like SpaceX doing interesting things. It's, we've got a multitude of companies out there pushing the envelope where they weren't there just a few years ago. Now, in uh, anti-aging research, we've, we've got something similar happening. Maybe we're uh, earlier in the process of companies jumping in on this but than, than in, say, the space industry, but it's still remarkable. If you're a drug company and you think you may have something that would uh, provide some benefit for aging, uh, you know, your first, your first uh, concern is not necessarily uh, publicity. It's uh, probably to uh, make sure that you're protecting your intellectual property, right? So that Absolutely. your company can benefit from, from, from sale of whatever drug you're trying to develop. So, you know, Absolutely. a lot of this is going to be happening behind the scenes, and we just won't know about it until we know about it. And the more we know, the better it, the better it sounds. But the more sure I am that I'm better off in 2018 being 55 years old than I would be in just about any previous era of human history being just about any age. <laughs> yeah, in, in your prime. Back to 1965, and you'll be 25 years old and a billionaire, right? It's like, ooh, that sounds pretty good, right? I mean, you, uh, you're, you're, you're Buzz Aldrin on the way to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> cool. That one I would do. Okay, you finally sold me. You finally, <laughs> you, you, you finally got the scenario I would take. I would probably do that. But, but it would take that. That's what it would take, okay? No, I've got to be right. Neil. You've got to be the so, guy that puts your foot and boot on the uh, moon first, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, or no deal. Oh well, so 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 there it is. That's our that's our thesis, and I think we'll have some more evidence backing that up on our show on Friday. We've also got some other just some kind of grab bag topics for that show. So we'll look, and, and guess what? A great big geek out as well. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll look forward to being with you all then. Once again, watch for our fast forward show coming out sometime in the middle of this week with special guest Peter Evans from Solix. And we'll be back on Friday with a brand new show. And until next time, live to see it. 